Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Give the podcast a follow as well at Full underscore Slate underscore pod. Plenty of podcasts coming in August as we hit the NFL futures market. We'll talk, talk with plenty of guests as the pigskin approaches, but... It's also the stretch run in Major League Baseball as we have two months left in the regular season. And so we will certainly mix in some talk on the diamond. And we're going to do that today as we look at the Wednesday baseball rotation and bring on a guest as well to discuss his background into the sports gambling space and a little bit about his career as well outside of sports betting. He is Michael Bowling from Bleacher Report. Mike, thanks a lot for your time. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I love you guys' work. Um, I'm an avid follower of Full Slate, and you know I'm just super pumped to get on here and talk with you guys, man. How's it going? Yeah, no, it's going pretty well. Uh, we're uh, trudging along through August. I'm a huge baseball guy myself, but I do like when we have multiple sports all going at once, so we're almost there with uh, football getting going soon, and uh, NHL and NBA off-seasons are a little shorter. College football will be here before we know it, so uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, which is for us as sports betters, it's nice to have some more options on the table. I'll be honest. I don't know about you. Olympics, weird hours of the night. Like I haven't been getting into it. Baseball was my favorite sport. So I just watched the diamond every night. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I called myself an Olympic better very early on and then I was taking a lot of L's. So I had to just leave it alone. <laughs> I, I like to watch, I like to watch my bets and I can't take, you know, waking up in the morning and finding out I lost some money right away. It's not the greatest way to start the day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you might as well stay away there. Let's first start, though. I know you work for the Chicago Cubs as a social media host, and I want to start there because obviously they are one of the more storied organizations in the sport. And uh, I'm sure for you, our producer, Alex Uplinger, is a Nationals fan. So uh, for you guys. Nats and Cubs fans, it was an emotional week last week. Both teams that won the World Series recently and uh, sold off a bunch of pieces from those cores. 
Uh, tell me a little bit about your upbringing uh, with the Cubs. Did you grow up, grew up on the north side of Chicago. How did you get into them, and how tough was it last week to see all those guys go? So, yeah, I'll just go back to the beginning. Uh, I actually grew up on the west side. Uh, my dad, to be honest with you, is a diehard White Sox fan. Wow. But, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty strange. But well, What my, happened there? Was there a breakdown in the parenting? <laughs> not really. Actually, it's pretty funny. My, uh, my mom's from the Dominican Republic, so – when she came over here and met my dad, she had already had a previous relationship with, you know, some of the Dominican ball players that played with the Cubs, namely you know, like Sammy Sosa. She knew his brother. So when I grew up, I played baseball since I was four and Sammy Sosa was like my hero. Like if you watch sure. any of those Cubs games, like <clears throat> those teams were not very good sometimes. And he was hitting 60 jacks. And I always was like, man, I want to be like that if when oh, I grew up. Didn't we all do the hop in our backyards? Absolutely, man. Any any chance I got. So I, I went away from my pops. I, I rolled with my mom. She told me to be a Cubs fan. So that's kind of how it started. And truly, you know, I, I I took a couple good jobs after college. I got to work for Major League Baseball for a year. Went to school in the area, Illinois, Northwestern? Well, no, actually, I went to Lewis University. I played. Uh, it's a Division two school. I played okay. uh, Division two baseball, so that helped me get through school. That was a blast. And uh, yeah, so it it really just became. You know, I had my I had a passion for sports. You know, I, I feel like just like any other kid that works in sports now. You know, you watch Sports Center every day as a kid, and you know now we don't even watch the four letter network anymore but you know that's kind of how i got into it and you know i was able to work for mlb that kind of opened a lot of doors for me and i kind of always just said man like i really want to do something with the cubs i didn't know what i i applied for random sales jobs to like craziness and you know finally they opened up a position for an on air social host and you know they kind of targeted me and I was able to interview. The interview process was like nine months long. And wow. finally, yeah, finally they just called and said, hey, we're going to give you the job and we'll hit the ground running. So it, it's a true blessing, man, just to be able to do fun work, do on camera stuff for my favorite team ever. And it, it, it's it, like I said, it's a blessing. And I really try and enjoy it every time I get a chance to work with them. So where were you in 2016? Had you, you know, had did you have this job then or just where were you when they finally won the World Series? I actually didn't have the job yet. I started the job in 2018, late 2018. Okay. And um, so, no, I got to watch the, the World Series with all my buddies. And, you know, I was here in Chicago. Um, that was pro I, I probably went to like 70 games that year. Like wow. I, I spent so much of my money on that season because I felt like this could be the one. And, you know, I've got all my ticket stubs. I went to two World Series games. Um, I did not go to Game 7. I watched with all my buddies here in Chicago, and we partied in the streets. So that's how we wanted to do it. We want, We always said if it happened, we wanted to just stay up all night in Wrigleyville and, and just, you know, drink as much as we can. That's, that's exactly what we did, man. It, it, was a, it was a dream come true and, you know, a night of a lifetime, a week of a lifetime, to be honest with you. <laughs> so let's fast forward to the present day when obviously – the Cubs were a seller at last week's deadline. And when you look at what happened from 2016 to 2021, obviously I think 2016 for a lot of people was a bit of an arrival. They had gotten to the NLCS in 2015 uh, and, and then they get over the hump in 2016, 2017, they get back to the NLCS, but I at least look at it and say, well, the, the pitching just didn't age well enough. Obviously Arietta, Lester, veterans like that just did not quite uh, continue 
on the trajectory that they were uh, in the middle part of the 2010s. And that's probably the biggest reason for the lack of, uh, you know, forward progression with the franchise beyond that. Like I said, you did get back to another NLCS. But when you look at how we got from then to now, do you kind of see it the same way with the franchise? Just the pitching just never really held up? Yeah, I do see it in that lens. But I also see it in the lens of, you know, sometimes you just got to have your hitters hit. And I felt like we at the end of seasons, the offense would break down a little bit. You know, once Dexter left, it was hard to find sure. that kind of pillar leadoff man who, you know, I, I was a leadoff hitter in college. And one of my coaches would always say, like, man, you know, we're going to be as good as you help us be because you set the table. And Dex was that perfect kind of leadoff guy. We had this saying, you go, we go. And like every time he would get on base, it felt like he would score. So trying to fill that void was tough. And you know, I feel like, you know, if, if anyone was ever going to have a World Series hangover, it was going to be the team that hadn't won in 108 years. And sure enough, we get all the way back to the NLCS. So there was a lot of dynasty talk and, and mm-hmm. win multiple rings and the championship window. But the reality of baseball is that's really hard to do. man. like, I think the last team to win two in a row was the Yankees way back in the day. And like, you know, yeah, that, and you're that going was, back over 20 years. That's 20 years. So, like, you know, I, I said to myself after 2016, I wasn't going to be too wild on Twitter and, and have my expectations be sky high because I realized how hard it is to, to win multiple rings in a short amount of time. So I, I do see both sides, the pitching, you know, to an extent, the hitting. You know, I, I miss Joe Madden a lot. I thought he was great and, you know, he was perfect for that run. But now we're here and, you know, the business of baseball kind of took over and, you know, I came to grips with them all leaving bef- the week before. So I didn't get hit as hard as some others because the reality of the situation was they were never going to pay all of them. And, you know, to be honest with you, I think we probably could have got a lot more in some spots. But in the end, you know, we got a bunch of good prospects. We hope that they pan out. And now we have a top time, top 10 farm system. So we look to the future. We, we had all these years where, we had no idea if we were ever going to be good again. And now the expectations have changed here in Chicago. And I think that management and ownership knows that this fan base doesn't want to watch, you know, losing teams for the next seven years. So I'm hopeful that they'll pump some money in, um, you know, to the, to the baseball club this off season and hopefully get back to contending in the next, you know, two or three years. Yeah. And I, I think that that's well said, obviously it sounds like from a, you know, somebody that works for the team, being around the guys, maybe it's tough to see him go in that regard. But uh, it sounds like you're pretty measured there as far as where things went south and uh, that it was kind of time to turn the page. And the one thing I will give them credit for, I mentioned our producer Alex is a Nationals fan. I think both teams in that regard did well in terms of not taking any half measures and saying, well, we're just going to do, you know, we're just going to move Baez, but we'll keep Bryant and Rizzo, something like that. I think it was smart on the Cubs part to try and, and the Nats pretty much did the same thing where almost anyone they could move, they were able to move. And the thing of it is, is like you said, now you got a top 10 farm system. If you can turn it over pretty quickly with a couple big trades in a division that let's be honest, looks pretty open after Milwaukee, you can get back in it pretty quickly. Maybe not 2022, but 23, 24, I think reasonable to see the Cubs back contending, right? 
I, I would totally agree. And, you know, one of the things I'm most excited about is a guy like Nick Madrigal, um, sure. who, who you can pencil yeah, in. how about at, that? A trade with the White Sox. Isn't that like a violation of city <laughs> rules? <laughs> it, it should be. But, you know, the last one, I think they got the best of us with the Eloy stuff. And then right. you know, this time, you know, we didn't have any use for Kimbrell, who was the top closer on the market. You know, we're not going to contend. So, that felt like a great deal for us. We haven't had a, a, a strong leadoff hitter since Dexter, like I mentioned. You can pencil in Nick Madrigal in the one spot for the next six years with club control. Like I think that that was something, like a point of emphasis that Jed made. And speaking of Jed, you know, I agree with everything you said about you know no half measures. I think it could have been easy for Jed to, as a friend of some of these guys, and and watching you know both sides watched each other grow up. I think there was a, a part of him that probably could have said, all right, you know, I, I like these guys. I want to keep Riz and, and you know, Baez because they're, you know, club guys and fan favorites. And he really made a stamp, you know, and, and carving out, you know, his legacy and, and, you know, bolstering his career by saying, listen, I know I'm friends with all these guys, but this is what had to happen. And, you know, there's a lot of talk in the media back and forth. He said, he said, she said, and I won't get into any of that, but they had a great run together. I think everybody knows that those guys are Chicago legends forever. They will never pay for food in the city ever again <laughs> because of 2016. And Jed has to do a job as well. So, you know, I, I don't think either side was in the wrong. It's just the nature of the business. And now we look forward. And we'll look forward as well. And I want to get into a little more about your background in the sports betting space. After all, that's what we do here on Full Slate. We talk sports betting. You work for Bleacher Report uh, doing some betting stuff as well. Tell me a little bit about the background there, how you got involved with Bleacher Report, and just what got you into sports gambling in the first place. Yeah, so the the baseball thing's for my mom. The uh, sports betting and gambling is for my dad. When we were kids, (laughs) we would go with him to the racetrack all the time. And, you know, I felt like I learned how to pick a, a trifecta before I knew all my times tables. So like, <laughs> we, we, uh, we would go frequently and, you know, I just loved the, uh, the idea that this is a place where you go hang out and watch horses. And then as we got older, we learned how to play card games and, you know, it all culminated in a trip, you know, when my, bu- my younger brother turned 21 my dad has this tradition where he, he went to Vegas every year because he wanted to bet on the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, we could bet from our couches in most cities, but we still keep that tradition. And ever since we were, you know, old enough to have a legal beer, you know, we would go and we still go. So I've always been fascinated by, it. you know, the idea that if you want to use the information out there, you can get a little bit of an edge. But you always have this thing in the back of your mind, like I'm probably going to lose this bet <laughs> every time you make one. So it's a, uh, it's been fun for me, man. Like I've had, you know, online bookies, I've had legal sites, you know, we've kind of run the whole gamut of ways that we can gamble up to this point. And now having it legal in Illinois has just been fantastic. So yeah, I've always been into it. You know, I've tried to use some of the the sports knowledge that I have and, and the information that's out there to make informed bets. And, you know, now it's literally a part of my everyday life. Yeah. And so as far as the specifics with Bleacher Report, uh, any neat anecdote as far as how you hopped on there or just kind yeah, of a simple, so hey, we like you, you like us? It's, it's actually pretty funny. My, uh, my girlfriend works for Bleacher Report as well, and she sent me a posting for uh, for the job that I now have, and it said, you know, this is specifically focused in betting. 
previously I'd worked as a social media content manager at Stadium and, you know, I was doing everything from running Twitter to, you know, creating content series for sponsors and all that. And this job at Bleacher seemed right up my alley. It was a new challenge with something I'm super passionate about. And I could kind of just use tunnel vision and focus all my energy on betting, which seemed like a dream come true for a kid that bets every day. So um, they, you know, I did a couple interviews. They liked me. Um, I love the vibe of all the guys that I work with. And it's just a brilliant place with guys that, you know, all are passionate about betting, but all want to, you know, kind of have these brand victories as we call them. And it's like, how can we put out the best betting content and make, you know, other bettors feel included versus kind of just like telling people what to bet all the time. And that to me seems like the right way to approach it, especially as new, new states get legalization. There's going to be novice bettors. There's going to be guys that want to bet that don't feel like they're very much included or don't know how to speak the language. And, you know, yeah. that's kind of how the, that's kind of what we're pushing uh, over at BR betting. And it's a great place to work. The team is awesome. And, you know, I'm just really happy, happy and thankful to have the job that I do. So you mentioned getting into betting at a young age. I'm curious, before we get into some of the specifics about the Wednesday baseball rotation, how have you noticed the the industry as a whole evolve? Obviously, the customer base for all these legal books especially is really growing, whether it's a FanDuel or a DraftKings. Uh, but it just feels like there's so many more people into gambling altogether, regardless of what their out may be and who they may use, than there were five years ago for sure. What do you really attribute the growth in the industry to? I think it's trendy, man. I think that for a lot of people that weren't in the in the gambling space before, I mean, I feel like this is just another way to enhance your viewing experience. And, you know, it, it, I remember the days where they didn't used to put betting lines on ESPN and on Fox Sports and all those TV networks because mm -hmm. it was frowned upon. They didn't want people to. They, they were scared of the Pete Roses of the world. Right. Which that, that now feels, look, in hindsight, feels like a scam, you know, like they should right. probably do right by him at this point. But, yeah, it, it's different. It's so different. You know, I, I remember being weirded out by telling people I had a bookie. And, you know, now it's like bookies can't even stay afloat because everywhere is taking legal bets at this right. point. So. The landscape is great, man. I think it's really cool that a lot of this is above board. You don't want things to be hidden. And, you know, I like the legal books. You know, sometimes people call the, the odds boost a trap. But, you know, if you pick the right ones, you can win, you know, a little extra money here and there. And it's it's just really refreshing to know that, like, you know, our country and, and you know, some of the things that were frowned upon in the past have kind of, you know, turn, we've turned the corner on them and realized that within reason, all of this stuff is probably just okay. So, we definitely don't, you know, forget about those who, you know, need a little more help than others. And we don't want to make this feel like, you know, everyone should and could, you know, could and should do it all the time. But if you take it, you know, at, you know, you take it at face value and, you know, you have fun with it as long as you're doing it within reason. I think, you know, it's good for everyone. I think everyone will have fun with it. And we're starting to see it. Most of these, you know, legal cities or legal states, you know, after they pass it, they're just like crazy amounts of money that are coming in. So, you know, people are having fun with it. It's adding revenue to states, you know, so I think it, it's a win-win and hopefully, you know, we don't have any crazy stories and we can keep this trajectory where we can get, you know, it federally, federally regulated so all 50 states can enjoy it. You know, I'm glad you mentioned some of that 
frowning upon nature and, and just the stigmatization of sports gambling because I always end this podcast telling, pleading whoever's listening to play responsibly because that's the big thing. I feel like much like drinking or, or whatever it might be, if you do it responsibly, you can have a good time, you can enjoy yourself, and you can laugh about a bad beat that went against you just the same way you can remember one that went in your favor. And it, it just thinking back to you know, I mentioned about five years or so ago when I feel like we really started to take off in this space four or five years ago. But going back before then, when you didn't have as many legal outs and you didn't have uh, the gambling lines being posted on the major networks, I feel like every story was a bad story. If it was a national gambling story, you'd hear about, I mean, obviously Pete Rose is well documented. And Granted, to this day now, we're getting the Evander Kane stuff in the NHL, and, and there are some things that you still hear about, you know, finger-wagging and, 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 and things that you shouldn't do with sports gambling. But I, I think back to, you know, one of the things that I always really enjoyed doing back when I was in high school even was the college football bowl pools, and those always happened around the holidays and going mm-hmm. to a Christmas Eve party or whatever. And it was always the Hawaii, the Hawaii Bowl on Christmas Eve and bringing <laughs> my picks to the party, and there was always a, you know, I'd be like, 13 14 years old or whatever and you know by that point I knew what the spread was and you know you bring your picks there and there'd always be that mom that would kind of wave the finger and say oh you know what are you doing betting at this age it was (laughs) immediately looked at as like this bad thing right and you know the amount of March Madness pools that you get in and uh it it just feels like if you 10, 11 years ago, you could see a person that oftentimes I feel like it was parents or, or even grandparents that were way older than you that heard that you were into gambling at a young age and just immediately thought, oh, this is bad news because right. they hear these stories about, you know, they just assume that you're going to be in this massive debt and, and, and everything I feel like when it was a gambling story was bad. And, you know, we didn't have, you know, I look back to the St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup and that guy that won the big bet, you know, we didn't have those kind of like uplifting human yep. nature, like fun gambling stories. So I feel like that stigma is really changing in a positive direction. I think so too. And, you know, I think everything you just mentioned is spot on, you know, the more above board it is, the more we can celebrate the good times, but also, you know, keep it, keep shining a light on playing responsibly and, you know, playing within your means. And, you know, I think that has a lot to do with, you know, the fact that it wasn't above board in the past. You know, I was just lucky to have a dad who was like, you know, you're going to get to a point where you're going to lose too many horse racing bets and you're going to have to go home. <laughs> like, you're not going to be able to stay here. So now that it's above board, you got to have these conversations with, you know, your kids and your friends and your cousins and whoever, you know, because it's real. It's out here. And, you know, it's not to it's not to be looked at as this like dirty game, but it is to be, you know, taken seriously and responsibly. So I'm glad that we've gotten to the point where we can celebrate the wins and, and you know, laugh at the, the bad beats because it just makes watching the game and enjoying the sports that you love and the sports that you maybe not even into a little bit more. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's kind of the big thing is just a lot of fun. I mean, think about the the community that has been nurtured on social media. and I mean, me connecting with you right now, the mm-hmm. amount of uh, – professional or recreational friendships that are formed around gambling if done responsibly i think it can certainly uh be an enjoyable activity so on that note let's get into some of the uh, baseball strategies we'll start there and then move into the specifics about 
Wednesday's rotation. When it comes to handicapping the diamond, obviously it can be kind of tricky. You play 162 games. The worst team in baseball is still going to win 60, and the best team in baseball is still going to lose 60. Mm-hmm. So the day-to-day grind that comes with handicapping baseball can be pretty tricky. I'm curious if you have any tricks up your sleeve that you'd like to share as far as handicapping baseball. <laughs> I don't have a ton of tricks because I feel like everyone who thinks they're really good at betting at betting baseball is probably not. <laughs> it's always just so random, but I really just target pitching matchups. I think it's a, a sharp way to kind of start at least. You know, I, I look at is there a stark difference between one starter and the other? If so, is there a way to find value in there? And sometimes it's tough because you don't want to eat, you know, minus 275 on a money sure. line bet. But like, you know, it it, it, it is a really important you know, ob- obstacle, I guess, to look at a pitching matchup and say, okay, you know, Matt Harvey is super overmatched against Garrett Cole. How can I find value in this bet? Is it the under? Is it, you know, Yankees minus one and a half? There's all these options and all these props. And, you know, to me, I, I bet sides sometimes, but I love to bet player props because there's so okay. much information that you can kind of dig into. And, you know, I love to look at, you know, batter versus pitcher stats and sure. you know who, who's hot against which pitchers and which pitchers dominate other hitters so i'll bet a lot of you know total bases um sometimes sprinkle on you know hit a home run props but then also strikeout props you know there's a couple times where you're just like this lineup looks like they're dead in the water and this pitcher's rolling and you know maybe that's where you kind of find your value so any in, the best advice i would give to someone betting baseball is to look at everything you can because there's always something that might have a little more value and a little more you know i would guess i would say a little more juice (laughs) in the wrong sense i guess (laughs) but um yeah that's kind of how i look at it i think you know you really have to do your research and dig in if you're gonna bet baseball you can't really bet that game blindly because like you said it's so random they're playing 162 games you don't know who's tired you know you don't know who's actually potentially hurt and you know just playing through it those kind of things will really kind of come to bite you and then the last thing is check the wind <laughs> the wind especially in yeah. april, april and may and, and september october that has a huge effect especially if it's cold you know wind blowing in you can kind of expect maybe there's not going to be a lot of balls leaving the yard and that you know kind of tips the scales to the under so a lot of information just make sure you're kind of looking at everything before you make bets <laughs> So let's get into some of the things we're looking at in the Wednesday rotation. There are some afternoon games today, uh, but a good chunk of the action is in the evening. I do want to start with a bet that I think might be a little bit of a sucker, but uh, I'll take my chances on it. I want to look at the total in the Phillies Nationals game. I'm a Phillies fan. I grew up just outside of Philly in southern New Jersey, so I follow them pretty closely. And I was actually at the game on Friday in Pittsburgh. You ever been to PNC Park? It's gorgeous. I, I haven't, dude. I, I've okay. been to so many ballparks, and the ones that I haven't been to are, like, the closest ones in driving <laughs> wow. distance to Funny. me. Like, I haven't been to Pittsburgh. I haven't been to Cincinnati. I got to go to Cleveland. But I've been literally wow. everywhere Detroit? else. Like, I've, taken, I've taken planes. I've been to Detroit. I, okay. I did a trip once where I went to Comerica, and then we drove into Canada and went to Rogers Center. So I, I definitely am about getting to all of them. I don't know why I've left the closest yeah, ones to me off my list, but I'll knock them out in the next couple of years, that's for sure. <laughs> anyway, like I said, I was watching the Phillies at PNC Park on Friday, and Chase Anderson came in in long relief 
in favor of Vince Velasquez. And now uh, Anderson actually threw pretty well against the Pirates and has earned Velasquez's spot in the Phillies rotation. He gets to start tonight for the Phillies. Paolo Espino, the scheduled starter for Washington. And, I mean, Anderson, the, the problem with the Phillies is they just, once you get past Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola has been better of late, and Zach Eflin's on the shelf, they don't have much depth in the starting rotation. So you're really throwing darts, whether it's Velasquez or now Anderson, who, as I said, with that good long relief outing, will get the start tonight. And so I don't understand how you really trust Anderson or Espino to keep the opposition's bats at bay. Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto have been hitting the ball pretty well lately for the Phillies. Anderson's only thrown 44 innings this year, 6.75 ERA. Espino, on the other hand, for Washington is another kind of swing bullpen starter type guy like Anderson. ERA looks pretty good, just over three. But another thing I like to look at, I like to kind of compare the ERA and the FIP. Uh, and in the case of Espino, we see his FIP a full run higher than the ERA. So probably a little lucky to have an ERA just a shade over three. Both these bullpens stink too. And at nine, like I said, the reason I think it could be a little bit of a sucker is that the total just feels low. When these two pitchers, I only need to run an inning to at least push. There is juice to the over at minus $1.20, minus $1.25. But I like the over in the Washington-Philadelphia game. I don't know if you have anything on that, but that's my first play. Yeah, no, I, I love everything that you mentioned. I noticed that Chase Anderson note when we were kind of looking at, you know, these these lines for today and. I, I feel like the Nationals are very close in, you know, relation to where the Cubs are at. And, you know, they got a couple guys that might be able to beat you. But, you know, this this game seems like if I would not want to take a side. So I'm on the uh, the uh, the total with you because this game could just be super wacky. And I feel like the last few games that they've played in this series have just been kind of nuts anyway. So definitely aligned with your pick there. So uh, take me through anything you're looking at for your first pick in this today's rotation. Yeah, so I looked at the slate a little last night and this morning, and, you know, not a ton jumped out at me, but I was watching, you know, we cashed a Nerfie yesterday in the Braves-Cardinals game sure. really early with Lester. I mean, obviously he's on his, you know, farewell, I guess. Right. I hate seeing him in a Cardinals uniform, but for me that made me say, man, I hope he just gets shelled because – it looks sacrilegious for him to be throwing baseballs to Yadi Molina, yeah. but that's a personal problem. Um, J.A. Happ tonight, just as old as John Lester, hasn't been, you know, amazing lately. So, you know, I think I probably am going to go back to the well and maybe bet the Braves tonight. You know, they're only minus 115 for the money line, so that seems like, you know, a good opportunity. That lineup kind of smashes lefties, so... I'm all in there, and then I think the la the other play that I'm really excited about is I don't know if you watched that Astros Dodgers game yesterday, but Fell that asleep. felt. I did have the Astros though, so I was happy to wake up to that. Yeah, man, that that felt like a World Series game, man. I, whatever it is, I hope we keep this kind of rivalry between them forever, and and we can kind of pump up some of these games. You're because... saying we need more cheating. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not saying we don't need more. Che I'm saying we need them to be mad at each other forever, sure. <laughs> because. That game, like, you know, my girlfriend even said we were sitting watching, and she's like, that crowd sounds incredible right now. And, and I was just like, man, like, they've got to be having so much angst. And Max Scherzer makes his first start for the Dodgers tonight. So I'm going to look at the total there. It's 8.5 right now at, you know, minus 119. I see these games being real low scoring the whole way. I feel like both sides are tense for good reasons. It feels like really high-level baseball, kind of like a playoff game. And, you know, playoff unders come in all the time. So 
I'm going to look to take the under in that Astros Dodgers game just to just because the pitching is you know very elite. I would say Max Scherzer is going to be fired up on that mound and he's going to have a lot to do with you know keeping the Astros hitters at bay. I could see either side winning a game 2-1, 3-2, 4-2, something like that. So I'm going to take the under in that late game tonight. So it's funny you mentioned both those games because those are two of my other plays. I am going to look at the other side, though, in the Braves-Cardinals game. Um, the line, I'm glad I didn't bet it last night because this was one of those, and, and there's normally a game or two every day. Maybe not every day, but every other day. There, there's always a, a spot where I see a line hung, and I'm just like, gosh, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And and the Cardinals-Braves was one of those where I saw bet online open at minus ten for the Cardinals and even money for the Braves. And I looked at the two pitchers. First off, before we get specifically into the matchup a little more, like I – for the life of me, I don't understand what the Cardinals were doing at the trade deadline. <laughs> like, you're bringing in veteran lefties, you're six out or whatever in the wild card. Like, did could you even somewhat grasp that? No, not at all. But I don't have anything good to say about St. Louis or the Cardinals. <laughs> so I was laughing while everyone on the Cubs side was like, man, we're depressed. I'm like, well, I mean, we could be the Cardinals. At least we're getting guys that are young that'll play in right. the next direction. years. These guys like. are like a rotating door. They're going to get there and get out of there and retire. So I'm cool with it, man. I, I hope the Cardinals never win everything again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate to break it to you, but I am going to play them here because – uh, like I said, the line just looked a little fishy, seeing them as a favorite. Jay Happ has been terrible. Like, I don't understand how they could be favored here. They, uh, you know, Happ is, granted, Smiley for Atlanta has been pretty bad too. Mm-hmm. But still, uh, Happ's numbers are well worse than Smiley's. And I'm a big proponent of when the line doesn't make sense, either play the side that, you know, doesn't make sense so you pass. And even now, with this game being essentially a pick looks like bet online is at, Atlanta as a short favorite now. So there has been maybe a little bit of a market correction there. Atlanta minus a dollar, minus 107, minus 115 in that neighborhood. And the Cardinals have drifted down to even money. But even still, I think that this is a pitching matchup that slants more towards Atlanta than the line indicates. So much so to where I actually think it's a little bit of a trap to take the Braves. So I'm going to be on the Cardinals. Uh, first off, also, I looked at Drew Smiley. I was trying to kind of make some sense of this. Since the All-Star break, uh, granted that's not too many starts, but opponents in the second half slashing 302 batting average, 367 on base, 472 slogging. So uh, I I think the Cardinals can put up some runs here. Uh, Another kind of bullet to mention as far as the line not making a lot of sense, in my opinion. They lost 6-0, the Cardinals did last night. So it seems like they're kind of a lifeless team, yet here they are with the far inferior pitcher in a pick spot. So that's kind of when I like to play that kind of fishy side. So I'm going to take the Cardinals. Um, and then the other play that I was looking at, you mentioned that Astros Dodgers game, maybe our thought processes more align here, although I'm not on the total I'm on the side and I'm going to take the Astros plus the run and a half. One thing we talked about strategies. One thing I love to do in baseball betting. I really like taking a run and a half with road teams because you get that, Eight and a half inning game, closer comes in for the home team in a one-run game. They're just trying to protect the lead, and you cash your ticket with the road dog at plus the run and the hook. And that's kind of what I'm looking at with this Astros-Dodgers game. You mentioned it being low scoring. I obviously agree there, total indicating as much. Max Scherzer, first start with the Dodgers. I also kind of like, I did this, uh, with didn't work out with 
Jose Barrios' first start with the Blue Jays, but I kind of like fading these pitchers when they make their first start after a deadline. Change of scenery, maybe it's not always uh, a good thing right off the bat, getting comfortable and acclimated in a new ballpark. I'm sure, sure, well, he was with the Diamondbacks, so maybe he's somewhat familiar with Dodger Stadium. But having said that, uh, Jake Odorizzi, the pitcher for the Astros, is he all right? This surprised me. Three quarters of a run lower on the road than at home. So he's certainly mm. been taking care of business on the road. And he's a, a veteran professional pitcher, right? I mean, he's not somebody that you go out and expect to win a Cy Young Award, but you're not going to get shelled more often than not with right. having him in the rotation. And that's kind of what we've seen this year. ERA hovering around four. Like I said, he's been better on the road than at home. And when we look at the offense, the Astros are probably the best lineup in baseball. So if you're going to give me a run and a half head start with this team, uh, first in on base percentage, second in OPS overall, first in road OPS, I'm going to take it. So I hope you're right about a low scoring game because I think that means I cash my Astros plus one and a half ticket. Yeah, that'd be great. And I, I might tell you there because that makes a ton of sense. I love the you know plus one and a half, especially when you're going to get some solid value like you will tonight. It's basically like, you know, you're laying a 10 cents of juice to get the best team in baseball with an extra one run and a half. So I like it there. And, you know, I, I've always said this about pitchers, especially, you know, you made that note about going to a new team after the deadline. Like they're throwing a new catchers. That takes some time. That part of it, you know, for Max Scherzer, I think might affect him a little bit. But he's Mad Max. And I feel like in this sure. spot with the with the, you know, hype around these games this feels like a no-brainer spot to maybe take a look at strikeout props you know maybe they don't win the game but he carves up a lot of you know hitters along the way and the score is low and all the things that we talked about but that guy is such a gamer to me and I feel like once that crowd gets behind him he's just going to be on another level so I'm hoping we can keep it close I think I'll tell you with the the Astros plus one and a half and hope that score stays down so we can both cash I want to get to one last play for me. I mentioned uh, that ballpark in Detroit. That's where I'm looking for my last play. I like the home dog on the money line, the Detroit Tigers plus 135. It looks like in the neighborhood of plus 140 against the Boston Red Sox. I think it's a mismatch here with the pitchers for sure. Casey mm-hmm. Mize seems to fi- seems to be figuring it out for Detroit. Number one overall pick struggled at the big league level when he first got to the majors, but really experiencing um, a a bit of an arrival here in 2021, particularly in the second half. Again, still early. All-star break was only a couple weeks ago, but in the second half, opponents slashing just 193, 246, 298 against him. Uh, So I think it's a a pitcher that has some confidence, starting to look more and more like that number one overall pick out of Auburn uh, that he was for the Tigers. And who is Eduardo Rodriguez to be (laughs) – minus 160 chalk or whatever it is. Uh, so I definitely uh, think that the there's a little bit of an inflation here with obviously a Boston team that uh, is, uh, I'm sure they got fans everywhere and some of that stuff can factor into these betting lines. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez has a 6-3 ERA and three starts post All-Star break. His season whip of 141 is the highest of his career. Uh, and, and so when you look at Boston, surprisingly, they've been so good offensively this year. And, you know, I, I say that because I feel like going into the year, if 
you asked a baseball fan off the street to name five hitters in the Red Sox lineup, they wouldn't be able to do it because they're just kind of a surprise this year uh, with how good they've been. And, and really right out of the gate, they got what they started well. Having said that, though, they've been a little cold offensively. Just two runs last night in Motown, only scored two Sunday night baseball in Tampa, lost two out of three against the Blue Jays last week and totaled just two runs in their two losses of that series. Uh, so the lineup's been good for Boston, but I think they're a little overvalued here. I, you're going to give me the better pitcher at this price at home. I'm going to take it. So I like the Tigers. It's kind of my last play. For sure. And like, I think everything you mentioned is spot on. I, I think the Tigers, you know, have done a good job of putting themselves back into a place where people can bet them. And, you know, they're, they're relevant very much. They got a good young team. Casey Mize, I think, is better than a lot of people gave him credit for. And he just needed a little more time to kind of get acclimated and get comfortable and now you're starting to see some of those benefits so the tigers were all, are awesome man they've been so fun to bet on and and you know watch their kind of progression they came out of the all-star break obviously red hot lose winning seven or eight games in a row or whatever it was so yeah i, I like it man I, i'm not a huge you know backer of eduardo rodriguez and i feel like you know lefty on the road you're getting some you know you're getting the juice or whatever so feels like a good play to me and you know i i hadn't even looked at that one because sometimes i kind of just like slide past them but that feels like a sharp play man you know having a home dog uh you know i do want to ask you too uh just being in that area i know that this is the other league but uh white Sox looks like they're going to run away with the division and it's there's not much competition elsewhere minnesota one of the bigger disappointments this year in baseball ended up being a seller i did think they do pretty well in that jose barrios trade but what do you think happens uh whether it's the tigers maybe the twins can get back pretty quickly uh and then you have kansas city and cleveland just of the best of the rest in the al central like who, who do you think can emerge in in years future and actually pose a threat to the White Sox because right now obviously looks like the White Sox might even be the first team to clinch a division yeah man I, just quickly on the White Sox you know I, I'm not a White Sox fan <laughs> in the slightest and you know lately it's just been like crazy to see how much power they have just how much how deep they are and you know a lot of yeah, times in the past, past yeah exactly, exactly. I mean like back. The crazy thing is, you know, the the narrative on that side is, you know, there's never a, a huge push and we never really, really went for it since 05 and all that stuff. And Reinsdorf and Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams this year were just like, screw it. We're throwing all our chips in the middle of the right. table. We're trying to win this year right now. So we'll see how it works out. I mean, they got that three-headed monster in the bullpen now, so they're going to be pretty tough having these games pretty short. You know, they just got to win a five-inning game. And they can pretty much lock it up. But I like the Tigers. I, I really think that the Tigers sure. are, you know, they're drafting a lot of good young players. Right. Their, their farm system is pretty stacked right now. And, you know, they'll be in a position in the next few years, hopefully, to if they arrive maybe a year early like the Cubs did and bring some of these guys up at the same time, flip a couple guys, you know, sure up a bullpen, grab a starting pitcher and really go for it. You know, the problem with some of the smaller market teams is those windows are much shorter and much right. smaller. So, I feel like if you get a sniff of it or you get a taste, and, and we of it, saw it in this division with Kansas City, how quickly they rose and then how quickly they fell after winning in 2015. Absolutely, and like I'm pretty close to the Royals situation. My girlfriend is a huge Royals fan, and that those two years were like insane. I actually got to go to the World Series that year in 2014. Wow. And just seeing how the Royals fans had just like stepped up and were all in, just like the forever Royal chants and all the stuff around that season. And never been to Kaufman, but it always looks great on TV. 
that place is beautiful, and it's just as you'd think. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a Kansas City uh, Chiefs tailgate. It's all in that one big Arrowhead parking okay. lot. So everyone wow. is just partying and eating barbecue. And it's so the just two stadiums like, are right next to each other. Yeah, and it's such right. a cool vibe. Like, that, they, they love their baseball there, and, you know, I, I had nothing bad to say about my experience at Kauffman. So, but that those two years were very quick, man. Like, you get in, right. you lose in game seven, you make one more push, you win it, thankfully, and – then it kind of just disappears. So maybe the Tigers can get on something like that. You know, I know they've had a ton of great, you know, players and pitchers that have moved on over the years. You know, we talked about Max Scherzer a little bit. And I, I, I think Detroit's a great city. I think it's a great baseball city. I think they love their baseball there and they love the Tigers. So I would love to see them kind of ascend and, and make a run at a division and, you know, maybe consistently get back to the playoffs. That's all I got in the way of plays. I don't know if you have anything else. I know you mentioned the Astros, Dodgers, Under, and the Braves. Anything else you're looking at in Wednesday's rotation? Yeah, man, this is just a crazy guy play by me. But every time <laughs> Shohei, every time Shohei is starting a game, I always bet him to hit a home run because I just want to be on that if it does. So that that has that has no <laughs> info or stats or, or, or hooks behind it, but. I just love watching that guy play baseball, and the fact that he's doing this two-way stuff as well as he is is super great for the game. And, you know, I, I just always take that little flyer just in case because I don't ever want to be the one that said, oh, man, you know what? I should have bet him because that's such a cool story. So I'll be on a show, hey, uh, hit a home run prop tonight for sure. You know, it's interesting, though, that you mentioned that because I'm curious. His story is obviously one of the best in baseball this year, and it's well documented that uh, he has been – really the face of the sport this year in some ways. Uh, and you mentioned you've been hitting that prop a lot as far as him to hit a home run in games he pitches. Um, as somebody that's been uh, keeping an eye on that most of the season and playing it, like, have you noticed a, a big change or, or shift as far as what those numbers are like and, and the prices that you're getting on that as his story has become more and more mainstream? For sure. I mean, the book's definitely caught up. In the beginning, you kind of, you know, you know how talented he is based on last season. And I don't think it was ever going to, you know, I don't think anyone could have said he would have 30 plus jacks by the All-Star break. But by the time we got to All-Star game, you know, those prices had dipped so much. Like early in the season, you could get him to hit a home run at like, I think, plus four. 385 was like the most or you know maybe even a little more if I'm thinking back all the way to like April but now it's like plus 215 plus 250 like it's changed so much recently because the guy's just having a, a an insane season and after the all-star break doing the home run derby pitching in the in the all-star game and his his basic you know basically his star had arrived in in the national baseball world it's definitely a market correction. You know, you're definitely not getting as much juice as you can or as you used to get because the whole world knows that he's liable to hit two homers a game. And especially in games he pitches, I think it's just very unique to have a guy that's throwing. You do get a little more value when he's on the mound, but like on games where he's just hitting, it's right around two to one, which is kind of absurd for a home run prop. But He's almost got 40, so it's not like they're super far off. He's just been, like, such a remarkable talent to watch, and I hope he stays healthy and gets to play, you know, strong baseball for the next, you know, seven to ten years, hopefully, and the Angels surround them with some more pitching so they could actually make a playoff series. I think it's a crime that him and, and Mike Trout yeah. haven't played in the playoffs yet together, but 
I'm confident that they the Angels know they have to get them to that stage or else you know this is going to be all for nothing I guess. Well, I but guess they're, they're getting Rendon. Is he is Rendon back yet or I mean he's got to be getting close if he's not right. He's getting really close, and you know, obviously, this they're going to probably have to punt on this season. But yeah. if you can get all those those three healthy for next season, fully on board, and maybe add a guy or two, I, I like. I love that they got rid of Andrew Heaney. He was really bad, and obviously, he was he stuck it up for the Yankees the other night, giving up all four of those home runs. And well, so I, I'm, hey, hoping- I'm glad you mentioned that because that was another one. I was on the fade for him in his first start with the Yankees, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't look like- and that makes sense, man. Like you go from LA where you were underperforming, I would say, and it's not as big a stage, and then you end up in New York, right in the middle of a pennant race and <laughs> and a division race, and yeah, you just get shelled because he was probably just so wide-eyed to be pitching in Yankee Stadium, and he left way too many balls over the fat part of the plate and got hurt. So. I definitely love that that note you dropped in about fading, you know, new pitchers, especially on the road, because those games could be a toss up. And like the difference is, you know, one guy's Andrew Heaney and the other's Max Scherzer. So I think we will see a little bit of difference tonight, but I love that. Uh, Last point, Mike, uh, you know, we talked about uh, the beginning. We're obviously hitting the stretch run here. It's uh, first week of August. Uh, Pennant race baseball will be here before we know it. Uh, Any, uh, Futures tickets that you're sitting on that you're either you know, feeling happy about or maybe some hedging opportunities, win totals, divisions, uh, league champions, World Series, things like, like that. And uh, just from a, a broad scope, do you, you think this kind of thing is the, the Dodgers to lose? Of course, they could end up in a wild card game if the Giants can hang on in that division. And then you're talking about one game. But how do you kind of see the uh, World Series picture shaking out and what's the futures uh, market looking like for you as we come towards the end of the season? Well, I'm pretty certain that my Cubs over win total is dead, which is really (laughs) sad at this point. But I had a prop on uh, Bryant to win MVP um, and he's having a good year. I don't think it's going to get to that point, but those two are probably dead. I took a I took a lotto on (laughs) the uh, Giants to win the World Series after their start. I didn't get oh, wow. it nearly as early as I wanted to, but I figured, you know, I've watched the Giants do crazy stuff in, you know, those even years when they were. I was going to say 2016, close. you must have been yeah. pretty nervous there. I was so nervous in that series. I feel like that game they won. Insane. Right. And like I was up all night watching that, obviously on the West Coast. So it was it's one of those things where I have this personal thing with the Giants where I just like sometimes they're just going to surprise you. And this is kind of one of those seasons like none of the guys in that lineup on paper before the season, you would be like, all right, these guys are going to run away with the division. Not that they are, but for a while there, they were, you know, the class of the National League. And, you know, the teams are catching up. I think the Dodgers are right there. You know, they retooled, obviously. So I think this is going to be a really exciting uh, division oh, race. The Padres with another Tatis injury. I know. And like, you know, that's another that's another story that like it just sucks, man. Like having guys get hurt is just the worst. And, you know, the Padres had just assumed just their their place in national relevance. And everyone wants to see Tatis and they got all these pictures with you and Blake Snell. So my my Giants prop feels OK at this point. Obviously, you never know once you get into like playoff series. But once I saw they were like off the out the gates and running, I'm like, let me just take a little prop on them. So 
I still have that one alive. I, I didn't have a ton of futures this year just because I figured it was going to be kind of wacky coming off of the 60-game the sprint of last season. So we'll see, man. I, I hope, you know, I, now I have added value to root for the Giants because Chris is there. So hopefully they can make a run and, you know, maybe get, get my boy another World Series. I'm sitting here looking at his first bobblehead that I've never opened. And <laughs> hopefully that's hopefully that's one, one day worth something because, you know, we definitely miss those guys. But you know, I'm happy they were getting, they were able to get traded to places that they wanted to play, and and they're in pennant race or division races and opportunities to play in the playoffs. I think there's a lot of talk back and forth about you know how things ended, but I think Jed did right by them on getting them to spots where they can really succeed. So we'll hope the Giants kind of make a run. Um, but no, I think that this playoffs is going to be or this postseason is going to be one of the more exciting in the last few years. It feels like there's basically super. Yeah, teams right. Doesn't this feel wide open? I mean, you got three teams in the NL West. The Brewers are this kind of small market team that I feel like even despite their kind of running away with the NL Central, there's not a ton of attention around the Brewers right now. Then you yeah, look at American League, you know, you got obviously we talked about the White Sox. They're going to run away with the Central. All of a sudden that AL East team, Yankees are starting to play well. The Blue Jays are going for it, getting Barrios and, and, and the Reds and or the Red Sox and, and Rays were kind of up there anyway. And out West, you got the A's and the Astros. I mean, this feels like I know people can look at the Dodgers on paper and say, well, they're probably the best team. But like I said, they could be in a one game playoff situation. And I also think even if they're not like there's just a lot of teams that you can make a case for uh, to make a run. So, I mean, if I had to pick one roster, I would probably say the Dodgers. I mean, you're talking about facing even if it doesn't look like Bowers pitching again, but you're still talking about Bueller, Kershaw, Scherzer in a playoff series. I mean, that's crazy. But having said that, like, I definitely don't think this is a slam dunk. Like this is not the Golden State Warriors versus the field with the Dodgers. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, the Dodgers knew that people were getting close. So they made that big deal for Scherzer and Trey Turner, which the Trey Turner part is just like still blows my mind. A guy with that much talent and that controllable for next year. Controllable. I mean, like they're set up nicely for the next couple of years. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that this could be very wide open. I hope we see a lot of long series and a lot of back and forth battles. You know, you never want to see sweeps and you never want to see, you know, five games, you know, four four or five game series because it's not fun, man. Like this could be a year where we see a bunch of deep series with a lot of great pitching, timely hitting, and that's what you want in the postseason. So I'm hoping it stays kind of wide open. I'm hoping these guys stay healthy so we see the best versions of these ball clubs when we get to, to October and, you know, late October, early November, whatever it is, and hopefully have a lot of fireworks when we get there. There he is, Michael Bowling for Bleacher Report betting as uh, he takes a few moments out of his morning to talk with us here on Full Slate. Uh, works for the Chicago Cubs as well. Uh, Mike, uh, why don't you give yourself a plug on the way out? Where can we find you on Twitter? So on Twitter, I'm at Mike Alex Bowling, and that's my same on all socials. So, yeah, give me a follow. I don't drop a lot of picks because I, I just have more fun with it. But I, I'll throw in some stuff there here and there. And, you know, just I just wanted to say thanks for, you know, letting me hop on. You know, you guys do great work, and I'm happy to see that, you know, we're, we're having connections with people we don't even know, never met, and it's all revolving around sports gambling. I think it's a really right. cool moment for our, uh, for our time and our society as sports fans. Exactly. Exactly. That's certainly, uh, like I said, more of a positive shift in terms of the uh, stigmas surrounding sports betting. So, again, give him a follow at Mike Alex Bowling. Follow me for my picks at Undercover Greg. Give the podcast a follow as well at full underscore slate underscore pod. 
Our producer Alex manages that account and gives out some of his favorite props on the diamond. We'll be hitting the NFL futures market pretty hard here in August as well. Mike Bowling from the Chicago Cubs as the social host and Bleacher Report betting. Mike, thanks a lot for your time. I'm sure we'll catch up again. Would love to, man. Anytime. Just dial me up. This has been fun and, um, you know, continued success. And let's cash some bets tonight. Let's do it. Again, this has been Full Slate. My name is Greg Frank of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, helping you get over the hump here on a Wednesday with the Major League Baseball rotation. Again, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your week. We're back Friday, I believe. We're going to do our first NFL Futures podcast. And, of course, please play responsibly.